you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at HeartSeas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. at how our lives can be taken off the drawing board and put into a place of action. Why? Because we discussed last week that a plan is not something to be framed and something to be admired. John is a draftsman. He's an architect. He draws plans because someone wants a house built. Someone doesn't say to him, will you draw me a nice plan because I've got a really nice frame and I want it to put on a wall. Someone comes to him and says, this is what I want. And he draws a plan that what they want can be built and can be lived in. God has a plan for our lives. For what reason? He's drawn up a blueprint that we will build our lives according to that, that we can be used, that God can fill us and that we can touch other people. So we've talked about how do we take our lives from plan to purpose? A lot of people ask, especially Pastor P, Pastor P, what's my purpose? Everyone wants to know their purpose. What's my will? What's God's will for my life? What is that specific thing? I know that I'm a mother. I know that I'm this and I'm that. But what is that specific goal? We are looking through God's word, I believe, and going to discover our purpose for what God has in store for us. Last week, we took step one. The step one that we took was the step of exposure. We talked about the importance of exposure, exposing our lives to Jesus, literally coming in contact with Jesus. Let me read this scripture again, and we don't want to spend too much time from last week because we've got a lot to deal with this week, because we want to take another step. But let's look quickly at Acts 4 verse 13 again. Acts 4 verse 13 tells us, Now when they saw, this is the Sanhedrin, this was the the religious crew, this was the leaders of the day, the politicians, those that made the laws, those that put people in prison and trouble if they didn't uphold the law. Now it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. In other words, say with me, idiots. That's what they were, idiots. That's what the Greek almost definition is of that. They were idiots. They looked and said they're a bunch of idiots. But they marveled. And they realized something. Here's the deal. A bunch of idiots, something had happened because they had been exposed to Jesus. They realized and marveled. The only reason that they could be any different was because they had been with Jesus. I'm telling you, exposure or coming actively connected with Jesus will change your life. Come on, when you come in contact with Jesus, when you get connected to Jesus, you're going to talk a little bit different. Come on, when you get connected to Jesus, you're going to act just a little bit different. Come on, have you ever been around some kids who like to be a foul-mouthed and all of a sudden grandma walks in the room? What happens? They kind of clean up their act real quick because they know granny ain't going to put up with it. And that's what happens. You see, when we get around Jesus, it's not just because we're doing it because he's in the room. We're doing it because he's changed us from the inside out. But exposure to Jesus will help us to act different and it will really just help us be different. 
totally different. The results of exposure to Christ are, is an, a, a changed life. So now what happens? This is what happens. You don't just read now about Philippians 4 verse 13. Anyone know what Philippians 4 verse 13 is? I can do. You don't just read about things like that, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but now you start living it in your everyday walk because you realize through exposure to God that all things are possible because God says they are. As we closed last week, we closed with this statement or we drew this conclusion which leads us into step number two. Step number two that we're going to be talking about tonight is decisions. Making the right decisions in our lives. But this is the statement that we made last week. As we step into exposure, we will discover new options in our lives. Our lives will be opened up and therefore new options, new horizons will come. But with those options or new horizons will come different choices. And as a result of the choices, now comes the decisions. The decisions, decisions. Because we know that the choices of our life lead to the decisions of our lives. And it's time to quit making the wrong decisions over and over and over again. Come on, how many have ever made a wrong decision here? Not proud of it, but we've all made it. But what we have probably also discovered is this, that with some of the wrong decisions that we have made, they've carried a big weight to those things. I looked up the word decision in the dictionary and here's four definitions for you. I like these definitions. The first one is pretty obvious and it's a making up of one's mind. A decision is making up of one's mind. The second one is a decision which is a settling of a question. The third definition is giving judgment. A judge makes a decision. He gives a judgment. And the fourth definition that the dictionary said of a decision is this and I like this one. It says firmness and determination. Firmness and determination. The reason I like that is because I began to think about the word firmness in my decision process. And in order to have firmness in my decision process, I have to be built upon a sure foundation. There has to be a sure foundation in my life. And sometimes we don't want to make decisions in our life. You know, have you ever got to that place, you know, I'm just out of decisions. You know, I've got to that many times. You know, it just seems like sometimes the decisions you make every day that you just get home and Kelly asks you something and I just say, listen, babes, you made the decision, I'm through with decisions today. Has anyone ever done that? You just get to a place where you just don't want to make decisions. It can be because you're tired of making them or it can be because you don't want to make them. Some of us are afraid to make decisions. We're afraid because there are decisions that need to be made. But whatever the situation, whether we like it or not, we have to make decisions. And I want to see a firmness in our decisions, a determination that's going to propel our lives and take our lives to where God wants us to be, not always making the wrong decisions. You know one thing I've learned about decisions, and that's this. If you choose not to make decisions, decisions will make their choices for themselves. They'll make the decisions for themselves. 
And then we get all upset and say, well, I can't believe that happened. Well, you know, you had it within your power to make a decision that that wouldn't happen. But you think, bury your head in the sand and guess what? It's going to go away. No, it's not. You know, the fact is this. When you sow a seed of problem, guess what? A harvest of problems come back. So when you don't make a decision or a right decision, what happens? Many times a plethora of wrong decisions come back and crowd your way. So say with me, right decisions. Come on, say it like you mean it tonight. Right decisions. Come on, that's our goal, isn't it? I mean, that's our goal, that we want to make the right decisions. Making decisions to bring our lives future and hope. Ones that will take us beyond today that will lay a foundation for greater things in our lives. Decisions that we acknowledge God and we ask for His help and strength. Decisions that He is there to help us. We all want to make the right decisions. Have you ever really sat down and thought about the decision-making process of your life? Think about the decision-making process of your life or in your life. What I mean by that, what's involved or what's considered before you make a decision? Notice the word I used there, the decision-making process. Because it is a process. What is a process? A process is a set of or a group of things that need to take place. Come on, a process involves more than one component. It takes into consideration more than just one part. In other words, it's okay to want something, it's okay to desire something, but so many times we look and say, I want that decision made. What about the process that we need to think about? So often we make the wrong decisions because we don't have a process or we don't go through a process in our lives. And as I said, it's okay to like something, it's okay to desire something, but that's not all the process that needs to be explored before making a decision. Hello? Proverbs 14, verse 12, tells us this words. There is a way that seems right to man. Feels good, looks good, mm-mm. it's got to be God, got to be good. The Bible says there is a way that feels, looks, smells, tastes good, but its end is the way of death. New Living Translation says there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Let me illustrate further this point about not just wanting and not just desiring, but considering the whole process. Have you ever gone shopping for a car? One of the worst people to go shopping with for a car is your wife. No disrespects, and I haven't been shopping with Kelly, so there's no disrespects here. I went and bought my car myself. No, I'm playing. But you know what happens with a woman? When she walks onto a car lot, she sees a car that's the right color. (laughs) Oh, That's the car. Well, why is that the car? What kind of car is it? I don't know, but it's red. Okay, so what's the process that's going on here? I like the color. It looks cute. Come on, it looks cute. Come on, it has a sunroof and spoiler. I mean, it must be God. Come on. It's got to be. I mean, look how good we would look in that. Would you say with me tonight these words? Continue the process. Why are we continuing the process? Because there's a whole lot of other things that we need to consider than the fact it's red, it's got a sunroof, and it's got a spoiler, and it looks cute. So what have we got to consider? We've got to look at the fact, what's the size of the engine? 
I mean, what kind of gas mileage are we going to get out of this baby? What is the cost and the payment? How many knows that's a good consideration in the process? Because you can't drive a red car and the redness of the car will not pay for the bill of the car. Don't you hate it now that they just tell you what your payments will be? They never tell you how much you're paying for the car. It used to be when you went in to buy anything, you bought the price of something, but now it's five easy payments of this, or it's just that, or whatever. Oh, we can get you in that for five years, and all your payments are going to be with this. They don't tell you that you're paying about four times the price of that car, but it's interest-free. Come on. What about the insurance? You know, all these things, there's part of a process. You see, what I'm trying to show you tonight is so many times we make the wrong decisions because it just feels good. Because that's what we maybe. But we don't consider the whole process and therefore we jump the gun and we make mistakes. It's so important that we work through the process. That's why I'm asking you and challenging you tonight. What is the process of your decisions? How do you make decisions? You know, major decisions in my life I like to sleep on. Come on, I, I don't like, if anyone's trying to sell me something or do something, they tell me I have to make a decision right there and then, no matter how much I want it, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to walk away and say, see you later. Don't like to be pushed into a decision. Don't like to be backed into a corner. I don't like that, oh, this is the only option. If you don't take it in five minutes, it's going to be gone. Then, hey, give it to someone else. You know, that's not for me. So we've got to look at the process that we go through. Why? Because I believe... Getting a process of decisions will help us avoid making stupid decisions today which will affect our tomorrow. You know, we've used this argument many times. Well, Pastor, I understand what you're saying, but you know what? I've given my life to God and He promises He will take care of my tomorrows. So He's just going to work it all out. Everything's going to be okay. In other words, what they're saying, I can make every stupid decision I want and just because I've got faith in God, I can just trust Him. God's going to wave His magic wand tomorrow and everything is going to be okay. God promises to take care of your tomorrows if you will allow Him to control your today. Come on, think about that statement. God promises to take care of your tomorrows. But you know what? He wants to also be in control of your today. We talked about this in the blessed life. We talked about the fact that we expect God to free us from financial bondages or financial burdens that what we did not or God did not even initiate. Come on, we just went out and thought a new car would be great and we never really sat down and prayed about it and asked God just to really lead us and guide us. And now we're in the hole every month, but yet if I pay my tithes, God's going to get me out of the hole. We've got to be very careful with these things. God's not just this powerball. It's not just a spiritual ATM. Cha-ching! You know, we've got to realise that the decisions of our lives, and I'm not jumping ahead, but the decisions of our lives can carry consequences. In order for our lives to shift from plan to purpose, our decisions need to be right. If you want to feather your life in God, you've got to start making the right decisions for your life. Because decisions are married to or connected to consequences, good or bad. 
I just witnessed this last night. Mandy was playing in a volleyball game and I got there late. But the last game, it was, it was all exciting. You know, they won two games each and this was the tiebreaker game. Whoever won this game, wow, they were the champs. It was incredible. They weren't really the champs. They just won the game. But, you know, but anyway, it was their first district game and it was a big game. Well, in the middle of the game, we, we just kind of whooping butt a little bit in the last game and we're just kind of beating them a little bit. And this girl on the opposing team gets really upset with the rest of her team and she screams out, I'm supposed to be the... Well, you know, after the game finishes, all of a sudden these girls are running laps around the volleyball court. And I'm like, what is the deal? I mean, I thought it was pretty humiliating in front of all the fans and parents that they're making these girls. But I found out the reason they were doing this because one girl on the team shouted out at the coach and the other players, And as a result, the coach said, hey, if one steps out of line, the whole team is going to suffer the consequences. There was a lot of girls, I'm sure, that was running laps around that court last night that weren't very happy at that one person. The reality is we can be unhappy with so many people, but the reality many times is we're the ones that bring the consequences upon our lives. Many of us are running laps and we think, why am I doing this? It's because of the decisions that we're making that the consequences are coming. Earlier, I asked anyone in here who had made a wrong decision. But I want to take it one step further tonight, and I want to say this. With that wrong decision you made, how many have suffered and are still perhaps suffering today the consequences? Come on, let me see your hands. Come on, just hold them up for a second, because I I, I just want us to grab a hold of this tonight. Perhaps even still, unfortunately, like I said, we're still feeling the effects of decisions that we made maybe years ago. And even through salvation, again, a lot of people, I'm just going to give my life to Christ. Wow, the slate's clean, everything. Listen, the penalty for the sin that you committed, God's taken care of. But sometimes there's still consequences that still are involved as a result of that sin. Come on, there are consequences as a result of our sinful actions, even though we say God and he's forgiven us. It's not going to keep us out of heaven. But you know what? There's a time or a price that maybe needs to be paid for those. You know, consequences are not easy to shake. And we often have to perhaps even live with them. Everyday decisions that we've maybe made, maybe bad ones, maybe some people in here have bought a house that you know you should have never bought. You're still living with the consequences because you're up to your eyeballs in debt because of that house. Maybe it's a car. Maybe it's a career choice or an education decision or whatever. You're still living. You know, a lot of kids think at 16 it's cool just to drop out of school because they can go make money. But you know, when they get to be 22 and they're still earning the same money they were when they're 16 and there's no options to really go up the corporate ladder and really, you know, and there are exceptions to every rule. But come on, we're not living in exceptions as God's children. We're living by the rule and we understand that, you know, and they can look and they can say, you know what, if only I'd have stayed in school. Just the consequences that we carry. Even in relationship, we can look and we can say, you know, I made the wrong decision. I made the wrong choice. Now I'm living the consequences. I'm living in the fact of just the wrong decision I've made has brought consequences. And, you know, and again, some people, they have such an optimistic viewpoint, and that's great, but you've got to be realistic too. Some people just blow it off and they say, oh, well, that's just life. You know, everyone's in debt. Everyone's made bad decisions. Everyone's made... That's just life. But you know what? That's not life. That's your life because of the choices and the decisions that you have made. Come on, that's your life because of wrong decisions. 
Listen to me, that does not have to be the story of your life and that certainly doesn't have to be the theme of your life. Well, everyone's... No, everyone doesn't have. And everyone doesn't have to have or live by... We need to start making the right decisions. Even if we're living in the consequences, listen to me, make the right decisions from now onwards so we're not going to be piling up the consequences and all those kind of things. You still love me tonight? Come on, I just love you enough to tell you the truth from God's Word. Our decision process is so important and God wants to help us. Do you know God offers us assistance in our decision-making process? Isn't that incredible that God doesn't just throw you out there and say, learn to swim. He's a preserver that can hold you up till you can find your feet or you can learn how to swim. Aren't you glad that God doesn't throw you out there and say, just go and do it. God gives you the tools, the means, the ability and what? The manual and the instruction of how to do it. Turn with me quickly, if you were, to James chapter 1 and verse 4. This is how God wants to help us in the process of our decision-making. James 1 and verse 4 says these words. If any of you lacks wisdom, say that with me, wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, to me, wisdom is the application of knowledge. Let me explain that. Knowledge is what, wisdom is how. So knowledge is what we gather, the information that we gather, but wisdom is how we take that knowledge and apply it into our lives. So wisdom is the application of knowledge. So God says, if you want or if you lack wisdom, if you lack how to put knowledge and make the right decisions and the right choices, God says, have I got the answer for you? God says, if you lack it, all you've got to do is ask me. Isn't that great? If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him come to church 120 times, pay his tithes of at least $50,000 and do all these things. And then, no, God says, if you lack wisdom, just ask me. Just ask me. And what this goes on to say that is even better. It says this, who gives to all. That means me. That means you. No one is except, or no one is the exception to the rule. God says, if you ask, I will give to all, with all liberally and without reproach. So if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given unto him. I love the word reproach here. A word that can so easily be overlooked in a verse like this. Listen to the definition of reproach. It originally means to behave in a very juvenile and immature way. Describing a youngster who would make fun of or tease or taunt each other. So the first thing we see of reproach is this. It first deals with the Christ-like wrong, or the childish rather, wrong behaviour of our lives. Like a little child, immature, taunting, teasing, being immature. But then the word goes on and came to denote that which is mocking or ridiculing or scalding or insulting and using words angrily or sarcastically. So therefore what we see is it's immature behaviour but then that behaviour also spills into areas of our life as we grow up and it affects the words we say, our attitude and our response in life. So this is why I love this word so much here. God is telling us, and listen to me today, no matter the wrong decisions or the childish behavior, the immature things, the wrong word, all these things that we can have done in our lives, and we've done many of them, God says no matter the past, 
No matter the wrong words, the attitude, no matter all the wrong things that I have processed in my life, no matter the sum total of everything that I have done wrong, God doesn't use that against us. God doesn't bring up our past when it's under the blood. Come on now. Satan does. People do. Come on, do you know Satan can use people to remind you of your past? They bring all those things up. But reproach tells us, this scripture tells us that no matter what we've done, no matter the wrong, the mistakes, the decisions that have just been totally idiotic, God says without reproach, He says, I will give to them wisdom without reminding us of our unworthiness. And you know why? This is why I believe God wants to give us wisdom because He looks and says, for goodness sake, hopefully they'll at least learn if I give them something and they won't do that stupid thing again. So God doesn't judge us. He gives it to us without reproach. That means He willingly gives it to us. He doesn't hold our past. He says, come on, you need the wisdom. Why? Because the wrong decisions you've made in the past will not carry to your future if you allow my wisdom. The application of godly knowledge and wisdom to rule and control your life. And yes, there are consequences. But I want to tell you tonight, I don't want you to be in condemnation of your consequences because I want to tell you tonight, there's life beyond your consequences. There is life beyond your consequences. Remember David. I wonder what was going through David's mind when Nathan shows up and exposes his sin and tells him, furthermore, your baby's going to die. Read the story for yourself. In 1 Samuel, David sins with Bathsheba. The prophet Nathan comes up and Nathan is horrified and he pronounces judgment and doesn't realize he's pronouncing judgment upon himself. Who is that man? Tell me who he is. If he's in my kingdom, I'll put him to death. And Nathan puts his finger in his face and says, You are the man. You are the man. I wonder what was going through David's mind when he saw that finger pointing in his face. He thought he'd got away with it. Come on, listen to me. He thought he'd got away with it. But the prophet looked over at his child and said, the baby is going to die. The baby's going to die. So we know the consequence. There was actually two consequences that took place in this situation. The first was David nearly lost his kingdom over that decision. He should have lost his kingdom. He should have been stoned for the crime or for the, that which he did. But because he cried out and he repented. So the consequences that we see in this situation is he nearly lost his kingdom, but he did lose his child. But listen to this. But David and Bathsheba had another son and his name was Solomon. What about the children of Israel who doubted God's ability to bring them into their promised land? Their decision placed them in a wilderness for 40 years. What was the consequence? A generation had to die and never experienced the promise. But God brought them into their land of promise. What about Jonah? Go to Nineveh. No, Tarshish sounds a lot better, God. I'm not going to go to Nineveh today. What was the consequences he ran from God? He found himself in the worst storm that anyone could ever imagine. If that wasn't bad enough, he's thrown over the edge. And if that's not bad enough, all of a sudden, gulp, he's swallowed by a fish. The consequences weren't great for Jonah, but God dropped him off at Nineveh. God gave him another chance. 
These examples and so many others from God's Word only ended in success because of one reason. Are you ready? They made the decision to repent. We can be carrying the consequences of decisions in our lives, but you know what? If we repent, and that means change our lives and place our lives into God, we get in the exposure of God and He changes us. You know what happens? There is going to be life the other side of the consequences. The devil says you're out. It's over. God says, no, let that just be a platform that you can stand upon. Let that be a place of learning that you can learn from that and you can be a greater person as the result of what's happened. They tell you that if you break your wrist or you break a bone in your body, usually that bone or that break grows back stronger than it ever was before. What am I trying to tell you? Satan says, you're going to be weak, you're never going to make it. God says, repent, ask for forgiveness, and let me make something greater of your life. Let me help you to make the right decisions. They made the decision to repent. They asked for another chance. I'm glad tonight I serve a God of another chance. Come on, I didn't say a second chance because we blew that a whole long time ago. I'm glad I serve a God of a second chance that the decisions and the choices I've made probably maybe right up to now have not been the greatest. And I'm living in the consequences. But you know what? My life is going from plan to purpose and God is going to change me. I'm exposing my life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Something's taking place in my life. And as a result, now I am making the right decisions for my life. Come on, turn to your neighbour and say, it's never too late to make the right decisions. Never too late. It's never too late to make the right decisions. The consequences of your life can be brought back onto track through repentance, making the right decision. Yes, there may be loss, but let me tell you tonight, that's not the end of the story. It's just a new beginning. What Satan has meant for evil, that's the consequence. But God. Come on, say with me, but God. What Satan meant for evil, God will turn around for good. I believe someone needs to hear that in this place tonight. So how do we stop making bad decisions, Pastor? First, you need to realize that there are really two different types of decision. The first type of decision is based on information. This type of decision is based upon our senses or involves our senses. Hopefully our common sense and not our nonsense. Take that word nonsense and really it's no sense. So we've got decisions that are made on our senses or common sense decisions. But then there are also decisions that I want to call or decisions that are based on revelation. And that's a God thing. Come on, we're not going to touch that. That's a God thing. But what we need to realize is, so there's two different types of decisions, but then we also need to realize this, that they do not need to be confused. What do you mean by that? There's a lot of sense decisions that people say, well, I'm just going to pray about it. And I'm just going to ask God what I need to eat today. And I need... uh, 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 uh. You know, many people want to bring God into every decision process without acknowledging or realizing that he's already been involved. What do you mean he's already been involved? By placing the necessary abilities inside of every single one of us to make the right decisions. It's not wrong to pray about decisions, but God's put common sense inside many of us, senses that we can make the right decisions. Look at 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, 
but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let me say that one more time. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The New Living Translation says God has given us power, love and self-discipline. Sound-mindedness has so often been overshadowed or forgotten by love and power. A lot of people preach, God's given us love. God's given us power and sound mind. Let's move on. They don't emphasize the sound mind, but I believe the sound mind is just as important as the love and just as important as the power. Sound mind means safe thinking, good judgment, disciplined thought patterns, and notice this, Please note this, sound-mindedness means the ability to understand and make the right decisions. God has placed inside of every single one of us the ability to make and understand the right decisions that need to be made. The ability to understand. Understand what? The given requirements, the information needed to make the right decision. In other words, there's fully available to every one of us if we'll just use it. None of us should make the wrong decisions. Why? Because God has placed inside us, every one of us, the ability to have a sound mind. So how do I make the right decisions based on information? How does that take place, Pastor Philip? It's simple. Here's what you've got to do. You've got to require the right good and all the necessary information. Come on, this is just practical stuff. I told you it's going to be practical in application. Because we're talking about making decisions by our senses. That we are gathering all the information, requiring the right good and all the necessary information. It's not just what I want. It's a nice car. It's red. It's got a sunroof and a spoiler. That's great. But it's not just what I want. I'm gathering all the information. Why? Because that's the process. And through research and right counsel. Come on, it's good to have advice. But watch who you get an advice from. Remember this, always get advice from someone who's got your best interests at heart. And the best interests at heart is not always what you want to do, it's what's right to be done. It always amazes me how many people come for counselling about a decision they've already made. I mean, it really is so funny. Instead of seeking counsel of what to do before they did it, they just come and they want counselling, but they've already made a decision. There's not a lot you can do when someone's made a decision. One thing you've got to realise is in making the right decision and gathering all the information, it requires work. It requires effort to gather all the necessary information. And many are too lazy to do it. And listen to this, they would much rather live in the consequences than putting in the extra effort. They tell us this, that five minutes of planning is more productive than one hour of unplanned work. Think about that. Five minutes of planning is more productive than one hour of unplanned work. What does it mean? Just sit down and think about it for a few minutes before getting the hammer and the nails out and start building something and all of a sudden you realize it doesn't fit. Just think about it. Take a few measurements. Just plan something out. Come with a picture, an image of what you're trying to do instead of just willing in there and going for it. And that's what's something we learn as we get older, I think. Mr. Huss has helped me a lot with this. He's got an easy way to do everything. Me, just give me a hammer and I'll break it down. Mr. Huss is like, no, just take that screw out and it will come down itself. 
I don't want to take that screw. I want to take a hammer and I just want to beat it in and I want to sweat a bit. But there are easy ways that we can do it if we will just what? Step back for a little. Measure twice and cut once. That is a good law to live by. So we're gathering information. If we're buying a car, gather the right information. If we're buying a home or we're refinancing our home, don't just do it because everyone on your block's doing it. Gather all the right information. Look at every option. Your education, your career, we talked about. Consider all these things. I mean, we talk about this all the time. But man, if you don't like kids, don't go to school to be a teacher. I mean, come on, help us, Jesus. If you pass out every time you see blood, probably medical school is not good for you. You're a medical liability, not an asset. But you know what? Gather all the information when it comes to something like dating and relationships and stuff. I mean, gather the information. Don't just go, he looks good, she looks good. You know, the devil looked good that day to eat. There's a lot that goes beyond that we've got to gather the input. Just do some investigating. Cover every base. Don't leave any rock unturned. Why is it so important? Because your life turns on your decisions. The decisions you make are the hinges for your future. We can make great decisions, I really believe, through our senses, which is a God-given ability, the sound mind. that We just sit down and we just go through the whole process. We look at the fact, okay, this is how much money's left after all our bills. Well, listen, there's not enough money to pay the note on a car. Come on, it doesn't take much sense to realize you can't afford that. Well, you know, I may get a pay rise. You may lose your job. Come on, I'm not being negative here. But I'm telling you right now, husbands and wives, you should build or budget your family's budget and every finance you have off one of your incomes. Because what if wife gets pregnant and she can't work no more? What if someone gets hurt or what takes place? We overstretch ourselves. Why? Because we want to keep up with the Joneses. What happens is we're making the wrong decisions. What happens? We suffer the consequences. We live in them. We're miserable. We're depressed. And you know what they say? One of the living causes of divorce is, yes, lack of communication, but lack of communication of what? Finance. So finance is one of the main reasons why divorce is in our marriages, in our homes, all around us. It's just simple things. But if we're going to take our lives from plan to purpose, we need to start realizing we need to make the right decisions. We need to consider all the options. We can't turn a blind eye and say, well, that maybe is going to change. They're maybe going to pass a new law about that. Maybe they are, but wait till they pass it. Another thing I'm going to say too with decisions, and just watch yourself. If you don't have the money to buy something, you don't need it right now. Save up the money till you need it, till you have it. There's a lot of things that we think we can't live without. I mean, you turn on TV and all these infomercials and we wonder, how do I ever, how did I ever live without Body for Jake? And we tell ourselves, I've got to have that because I can't live without it, but I've lived for how many years without it and never even knew it was there? It only came on the market, I know Body for Jake didn't, but it only came on the market two months ago and now I think I can't live without it and I've done pretty good for 38 years up to now. That's how we've got to consider all these things. And, you know, I said this the other day and I made myself laugh. You know, five minutes and you can look like this. I'm telling you, absolutely ridiculous because the people who do those things never looked like you in the first place. You know, just five minutes a day, you know, put this thing on that shocks your belly and all of a sudden you're going to have abs like Bishop. I mean, it doesn't happen. But you and I, yeah, Bishop wants his money back. 
but it is a money-back guarantee. All you have to pay is shipping and handling. They don't tell you shipping and handling is like 130 bucks. I want, I want one of those... I wanted one of those machines. You've seen it when you hold on to the bars and you swing your legs out side by side. It's a 60-day money-back guarantee till I called up and they charge you like 97 bucks to ship it to you. And you have to ship it back. So it's going to cost you, what, 200 bucks to try it out for 60 days. And all it's going to be is a glorified coat hanger <laughs> or something you're going to have to tell your kids 20 times a day, get off that thing. <laughs> but you and I can make great decisions through our senses. The God-given ability that he's placed inside of every one of us. Just simply by requiring the right information. Don't get so super spiritual about everything. Well, God, what am I going to eat today? God, what do I wear today? What do I do? You know, there are decisions that we're going to talk about really briefly, quickly, that we need God. But there are a lot of decisions that we've got senses that, you know what, I sometimes wonder how many times we're bugging God of more important things that he could be doing not only for other people, but in our lives. So lastly tonight, I want to talk about decisions based upon revelation through God or decisions from God. If you would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 12. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 through 12. And it says these words. If you've got a real Bible, it's page 1721. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. Shout amen if you're there. If you're not, just keep looking. It's in there. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12 says, But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those that love them. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Basically what it's saying here, there's some things that God has for many of us that's not going to come through our senses. Because that's the spirit of man. It's only going to come through the spirit of God. Revelation from God. Look at verse 12. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit which is from God or the Spirit who is from God, that we might, listen to this, know the things that have been freely given to us by God. God has given things freely. I love those last words where it says that we may know the things that have been given freely to us by God. What does the Bible tell us? Eyes not always going to see it. Ears not always going to hear it. Those around you are not going to always understand it. But God's spirit or revelation can make it so real to your life. The decisions that we're talking about when we're talking about the decisions from God or the revelation of God, these are not decisions that we're making every day. You've got to understand that. It's not decisions. Revelation decisions are not decisions we make. In fact, for many of us, we may only make a handful of these kind of decisions in our lifetime. I want to call these decisions destiny decisions. Destiny decisions. I believe one such destiny decision that we all need to ask God for, and that is this, when we get married, who do we marry? That's a destiny decision right there. So important that we find our call and purpose in life before we find our mates and we find our mate to fulfill our call and our purpose. 
but destiny decisions that come directly from God. Do you realize tonight that you are sitting in a destiny decision? What do I mean by that? There was a time where I didn't know what to do and I prayed. And I looked at my senses and I considered all these things and you know what, I came to this conclusion, there's no way we can afford it, there's no way we can do it, no one's going to come, there's no way we can do it. But God kept saying, do it, do it, do it, do it. I knew it was a destiny decision that I had to make. Listen to me, it took great boldness signing a three-year lease on a building when we didn't have the money to pay the first month's rent. Come on, and again, I'm not encouraging people to do that. These are destiny decisions that you need to know without a shadow of doubt that God's spoken to you. And if you've got any questions, ask him to confirm himself. Because God will confirm his word. Remember Gideon? God make that fleece dry and the ground wet. God, I don't think it's you. Make the fleece wet and the ground dry. God confirmed to him. But listen, when God confirms it to you, you better be ready to move. But I call them these destiny decisions. God had to say go that we purchased or we signed a lease. We didn't purchase, we signed a lease on this building. I asked every one of you last week, and those of you who were here, I'm sure you'll remember the question I asked you last week, and that's this. I said, do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? We read the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts are happy, said the Lord's thoughts are future, and I hope to give you this. You know, all these things, God's plan for our life. And we all agreed in this place that God does have a plan for our life. You know, if God's got a plan for my life, that means when there's a destiny decision that I need to make, I can get some fatherly input. Isn't that incredible that if there's destiny decisions for my life, I can get some fatherly input. Why? Because he knows the plan he has for my life. And therefore, the Bible says, we just read it in 1 Corinthians 2, that he will freely reveal unto us all those things that he's prepared for us. Certain decisions you and I have got to hear from God about. There are some decisions we've got to hear from God. Come on, we can gather all the information, we can have all our senses, but they come to an end. But God, there's got to be some that we have the revelation and the knowledge of God. And let me try and help you here if I could, just really quickly. If you feel that you have heard from God and there's a destiny decision or a decision that you need to make, if you feel that you have heard from God, listen to me, don't change your course. Just keep on going. And then when the right time comes, God's going to let you know what to do. What are you trying to say, Pastor Philip? Yes, there's destiny decisions that we have to make, but sometimes God speaks, but His timing or the fulfillment of what He's spoken is not connected to His speaking. What do you mean by that? God can say do things, but you know what? Until he gives you specific direction of how, just keep maintaining your course. The destiny decisions that we have in our lives, make the right decisions. Whether it's by your senses, just gathering all the right information, or whether it's being spirit-led and allowing God to direct your life, realize this, that God desires to use your decision-making process to take your life from plan to purpose. Come on, we've taken the first step, which is exposing our lives to God. Tonight we're taking another step, and that is this. We're going to start making the right decisions. The ones that we can make, God's given us the ability, the sound-mindedness, He's given us the ability to do all those things. And by His strength, we're going to do them. I don't have to pray about every decision. That doesn't make me unholy. 
Because every decision I make, God is perfectly involved in. Because I'm exposed my life to Him and I'm His. And every decision I make, I want it to be pleasing to Him. Every decision I make, I think, is it kingdom-minded? Is it something that's going to build? Is it something that's going to? Is it something that's going to put my family in harm? I'm thinking those thoughts. I'm basing my decisions. So I'm thinking with step one, it's exposure. And step two is I'm making the right decisions. Yes, there's destiny decisions that I need to hear from God. But you know what? He's going to reveal it to me. If I just keep trusting Him and just keep believing His life. I pray that was great tonight. Stand to your feet. I'd like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.